Gospel reading comes from the book of Matthew, the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 11. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We have begun the season of Lent. This 40-day journey that leads us to Good Friday and eventually Easter Sunday. A season of the church year that takes weeks to prepare. It's the season of the church year where we are most fully aware of how how the world works and how different that way is from God's ways. And as we take this journey day by day through these 40 days, we realize just what Jesus is up to. And so today we begin that journey with the fork in the road that Jesus faced as he began his ministry on earth. This time of temptation is the starting point as Jesus sets out proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, that the reign of God has drawn near. And so as we begin Lent, thinking about God's ways and just how different they are from the ways of the world, this time of temptation reveals to us just how tempted we are to expect that Jesus will lead in the ways that the world expects its leaders to lead. And how much we hope the church might follow some of the things and some of the ways that Jesus says no to when he is tempted. Our first scripture reading actually had um, me struggling to read it with all of these fancy words about condemnation and justification about one man for all and so and so for another. And it was selected today because in big picture it talks about what Jesus does. 
If every human being sins and is in need of a Savior, well, Jesus is able to do that. And it seems just so abstract and so heady and theological, as the book of Romans tells us, that sometimes we can forget the journey that actually leads to the cross and the life that Jesus lived and the ministry that he proclaimed as he walked on this earth and took each step towards Jerusalem and eventually the cross. It's easy if you think in the abstract for this work of justification for all people to be accomplished through some other way. And maybe that's what is so tempting for Jesus in this moment. Couldn't there be another route to accomplish the things that Jesus does? Did it have to go to the cross? Did it have to lead to him being abandoned by every person who followed him? To be condemned by the authorities? To die that undignified death on a cross? That, in many ways, is what is being decided out in the wilderness when the temptations take place. The devil comes and tells Jesus, well, if you're hungry, command the stones that are all around us to become bread. Create out of seemingly nothing all the resources you might ever need. That's a great way to promise a new movement that is being created, to promise that all the resources might ever be met. We have an election upon us this year, so it's a time that we are aware of all of the messages that our elected leaders wish to promise. That if you vote for me, you'll have food on the table, you'll have work, you'll have all the resources that you need, so just vote for me. Well, in this time of temptation, the devil basically tells Jesus, you can create all the resources that people will ever need. Command the stones to become bread. The devil is offering for Jesus a shortcut. An easy way to develop a following and perhaps to go off of the journey that Jesus is called to do. You know that old camp song, We're Going on a Bear Hunt? We uh, have young children in our family, six, five, and almost three, and so that is often playing in the soundtrack of our lives. We wisely are not invested in one of those um, listening Alexa devices, and so they can even ask for the song anytime they want. Alexa, play, we're going on a bear hunt. So we go on a lot of bear hunts in our house, and as you know the refrain, you come to an obstacle like a lake, and the song goes, well, can't go over it, can't go around it, guess we have to go through it. 
Going on a bear hunt reminds you that there are no shortcuts to get to that bear. And part of the fun is then acting out, swimming through the lake, traipsing through the swamp, and doing all the things that you do as you go on the bear hunt. The journey is the fun of it, right? Well, here, as the journey of Jesus' ministry is being laid out, the temptation for Jesus is to take a shortcut. To be a different kind of leader, of a different kind of movement. One that, frankly, we already expect. If Jesus comes promoting that he can create bread out of stones, that all the resources we ever would need are provided by him, he'd have a much bigger crowd of followers. He'd have a much bigger impact on the community around him. And if you think about it, he really could change some things, couldn't he? We face our lack of resources every day. We might not have enough food on our tables. We might be struggling to pay those bills that have come in unexpectedly. We might just feel like we don't have enough time to get everything done that we expect. Wouldn't it be so much nicer if Jesus gave us every resource we think we needed for us to make ends meet? But Jesus sees the temptation in that, and he realizes that if we start just receiving bread from stones, that we lose something. Jesus answers the devil, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There is a deeper theological message and a deeper connection that Jesus is hoping to make with each of us. Sometimes just giving us the resources that we need makes us miss the deeper connection that might be there. When I was in college, I withdrew from classes for a semester and went to West Africa to see if I could be a part of caring for um, folks who didn't have um, families and lived on the street in Freetown, Sierra Leone. And I went with an organization that sought to work as intentionally as possible with people in relationships and in the communities where they live. But at one point during the trip, we went out from the capital city out to a smaller village with another organization bearing medical supplies. And we came out to this town of several hundred people, and we gathered and we tried to organize our distribution in an orderly manner. And we spent some time trying to speak with folks in the village to get to know a little bit of their story, but as soon as we started handing things out, well, the dynamic shifted. Suddenly, people were trying to get as much as they could, and we were trying to pass out as much as possible, and it was a rush. You might have experienced that in times where there were giveaways or handouts. And it showed to me some of the realities of our economics, of how difficult it is to meet the needs of a wide group of people, 
of just how difficult it can be to actually connect with another person when the resources are so imbalanced. Later on in his ministry, Jesus does have miracles with food, right? He takes five loaves and two fish and shares them with 5,000 people. So there's nothing wrong with Jesus giving away food to meet people's needs. But at this point, early in his ministry, if he leads his ministry with his first steps, turning stones into bread... Well, he's just a cosmic vending machine, giving people resources and things in ways that don't actually address the deeper soul questions of what kind of relationship and transformation he is seeking. It's a reminder for us as a community of faith to meet the physical needs of people that we serve and also to offer moments of connection with people. That often our poverty is material, yes, but it is also relational. Where we don't see people for who they are because of the economic imbalances that we have. The next temptation. The devil takes Jesus to the top of the temple. Think about going on to the top of the spire of Old Fort Street here. And says, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down and the angels will catch you. The temple was the main congregating point in Jerusalem. There was always a crowd there from both people from the city and also from the broader region coming to make sacrifices and to worship. The congregating point for the city. So if Jesus were to jump down and be caught by angels, well, wouldn't that be a sight? Be the kind of spectacle that could enthrall a crowd, that could draw more people than the most recent evil Knievel jump over the gorge, right? Spectacle is also a way that leaders find followings, right? Because if people can be held with rapt attention and a leader can perform in a certain way, well, a following emerges, right? That's often the pressure you have when you are a pastor of a congregation. Preach in a way that holds my attention, pastor. And I know this because I grew up in a family where my grandfather or grandmother timed every sermon every single Sunday. That was a great sermon, Pastor. You were 14 minutes. (laughs) Part of the reality of what we expect in our life is religious leaders who can at least keep us from getting bored, right? And Jesus embraces something far more every day. Rather than going up to the heights and doing somersaults and flips to capture the attention of the crowds, he walks with people. He lives his life, and he takes 12 disciples to follow him closely, to learn what it is to be a part of this kingdom of God. It's hard to teach a crowd, especially when you're trying just to hold their attention for as long as you can. So the shortcut of performances is not the path that Jesus takes. Lastly is the temptation 
on a high mountain to see all the kingdoms of the world. And to have all the power and authority right there to make changes happen however Jesus wants. Wouldn't it be a lot easier to go about doing ministry if you are in charge of the government? If you are in charge of the authorities and the ability to just make society work the way it should. There is a profound temptation in that as well, right? Because if there is ever any ruler who could make things work right, it'd be Jesus, right? Somebody who could make sure that the cause of the oppressed and the widow is acted out. But Jesus knows that in doing that, the act of worship falls to, the, to Satan and not to God. And ironically, after this whole journey that Jesus is on is over, well, he gets that authority. As he ascends into heaven, he tells the church, those gathered disciples after the resurrection, all authority on heaven and on earth has been granted to me. Jesus gets there. He accomplishes that journey and ends up in authority over everything over this earth. But it doesn't look the way that the devil tempts him to make it look. Jesus' grandeur is not proved by sitting on a lofty throne. It comes from this journey that he makes. This journey that we remember today as we begin the Lenten season. This one that has no shortcuts. No ways of working over or around the obstacles of life. We have to go through it. This journey of Lent reminds us that Jesus walks through the difficult things of life. He experiences the suffering both in his body and also has compassion on the suffering of other people. And that's the key distinction of all of this, right? Jesus works miracles. There are spectacular things that Jesus does. But what starts first is compassion. Jesus hears about the suffering of someone whose body is failing them and seeing their experience then reaches out to heal after seeing that person for exactly who they are. It's the kind of healing that doesn't minimize suffering by offering some easy cure, but the kind of healing that meets people in the places of their brokenness and brings something new from that place. It's the journey that has no shortcuts, but ends in death, even death on a cross. This journey of Lent reminds us that by going through this death, Jesus brings life, and the kind of life that can never be taken from us, no matter how difficult we find ourselves in a situation. That there is no place of feeling dead in our own hearts and in our own lives where Jesus isn't going through that experience with us. So for us today, 
we realize that the ways that Jesus has been tempted can be a temptation for us in the church. It's been a long time since the pews of Fort Street Presbyterian Church have been packed to the gills. Almost a hundred years now since we've been really that full. And it's easy for us to think that our spiritual life just needs to be made more relevant again. Maybe we should find some service to the community to meet a need out there that we might offer bread to people. Or we might have enough of a spectacle that might offer people a chance to come and be a part of something big. We might yearn for the times where we had authority and gravitas in the community. Where if a pastor came and preached on Sunday morning about some social ill, well, it made the newspapers the next day. Those days are long past. Those shortcuts may no longer be apparent for us. And so we, as we begin this Lenten journey... Reflect on how we go through the difficult moments of our life. We go through the difficult realities of when we are sick, discouraged, when we experience dis disappointment and disillusionment. And we realize that this journey that leads to the cross means that together we anticipate the new life that Jesus Christ is bringing into the world. And that reality, that victory, has no shortcuts. But we know who brings us safely until the end of the journey. So friends, whether we can't go over and around the difficulties of faith in this day and age, we go through it, knowing that Jesus goes through it with us as well. Amen.